We did it! Finally! After months, we have done it! We have succeeded! Now, I, we have a few people to thank here. Uh, first off, I would like to thank myself. Uh, I would like to thank Parker Thune, and I would also like to thank the text line. We did it. Cole Adams is on campus today, <laughs> and we're thinking <laughs> that the three-star wide receiver out of Owasso may even leave town with a scholarship offer in hand. Uh, it's been 67 consecutive shows mentioning Cole Adams, the three-star wide receiver out of Owasso, uh, going back and forth on why he hasn't been offered yet. Oh, he's going to go to Alabama. He enjoyed his Bama visit. Everything there's been to talk about Cole Adams, we've discussed it. And finally today, Parker, he's in Norman. He is on campus. And if he leaves without the offer... Just let this thing burn. <laughs> we have no reason ever to talk about Cole Adams on this show again because if he doesn't get offered by uh, Oklahoma today, Lord knows he is not going to end up a Sooner, and it's going to be pointless to perpetuate this conversation. That said, I do expect he's going to get the offer based on every conversation that I've had leading up to this visit. We did it, so, though. How about it, guys? Huh? No uh, one is happier right now than Kendall Eshbach. The, the, that's true. But, hey, it was not always easy, all right? There, it was definitely a grind through the late winter months, but uh, we did it. Talked the coaching staff into getting Cole Adams on campus and maybe giving him an offer. Uh, why now? Well, like, what, what's happened recently between OU and Cole Adams for this to finally, for this to finally take place? They've had plenty of recruiting weekends before. Why is it just now happening? That Cole Adams is visiting now for yeah, the first yeah. time? Yeah, and then, and then he might get an offer today. Like, no, what's I, happened? So here's the thing. Uh, we discussed this last hour, uh, me and Steely. This is not the type of thing that was going to happen expediently, even as much as we wanted to believe that it would. Simply because Cale Gundy, as the receivers coach, he's he's one of the, one of the holdovers from the Muleshoe administration. And when the new staff came in from all of the locales at which they were previously coaching, you're talking about guys in Brent Venables, Ted Roof, uh, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, J.P. Losman, who's currently in charge of the offensive player personnel. All those guys were on staff at Clemson. Lee Davis was on staff at Florida. J.R. Sandlin came from Jacksonville State. So uh, Brandon Hall came from Troy. So many of these coaches had recruiting ties in the Southeast. And so naturally, the kids that were going to were gonna be first up on the docket to receive offers and first on the priority list uh, to be in contact and get the offer of an unofficial visit from the coaching staff were going to be all the same players that those coaches were pre- previously recruiting from Alabama and Florida and Georgia. Cole Adams was exactly the type of guy, and look, you can argue that this should not have been the case, and I would agree, it probably shouldn't have been the case, but Cole Adams was always the type of guy that was at risk of flying under the radar for what could have ended up being too long, because he's a local boy, Owasso High School, Cale Gundy's obviously very familiar with him, but none of the rest of the coaching staff is. Sure. right? He wasn't, he wasn't getting recruited by Ole Miss when Jeff Lebby was there. Uh, none of the none of the other coaches had been recruiting Cole Adams previously as well. So it wasn't as if Cale Gundy could pick up the phone and say, yeah, Cole Adams, you got an offer. Come to Oklahoma. It had to be a conversation with the remainder of the coaching staff to the point where everybody was on the same page about this kid. 
and they came to the consensus decision that they wanted him. Now, from what I know, there was a meeting of the minds a couple weeks back where basically there were some folks on the coaching staff that essentially said, why hasn't why, like why haven't we offered Cole Adams yet? What is the holdup with this kid? And so that was the point at which everything was hashed out. In the aftermath, there was an increased effort to get Cole Adams on campus for the unofficial visit. That has obviously manifested today. He is on campus alongside two five-star wideouts in the class of 2024, by the nice, way, from the state nice. of Florida, Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Just a, just a normal Tuesday. Yeah, just a, just a regular OBU. Tuesday ah. in Norman, Oklahoma. One of the best players in the state and two five-star wide receivers. But, no, like, uh, as, as far as the Cole Adams thing is concerned, it just took a while for everybody to get on the same page about this kid. That is my understanding of the situation. And thankfully for Oklahoma fans – it doesn't look like this all came together too late. It looks like Oklahoma's going to have a puncher's chance to win Cole Adams over. But you're going up against Alabama, But most you're going likely. up against Alabama, which has invited Cole Adams back for an official visit in June and that has extended a committable offer. So, I, I this, is not, this is not a slam dunk. Two months ago, I would have said, okay, yeah, it's a slam dunk if Oklahoma offers. Now I'm not so sure. They put themselves in a more difficult situation. Yes, they did. They now, did themselves I, I, no favors. And you explain the situation. It, it, I, I understand it. It's great. Um, but once Alabama comes in and offers an in-state kid in the state of Oklahoma, if I don't know much about him, I'm really you know doing my best to get caught up on what this kid offers. So uh, maybe he still ends up coming to OU at, at, at the end, man. But, yeah, I, I think they made it a lot more difficult on themselves because – Bama's clearly the front runner right now, and and we'll see if he if he leaves today with an offer. I, I would guess that he probably would, Parker. Um, if he doesn't leave with an offer today, then Bama is. <laughs> this kid's got to be close to just saying, you know what? I'm just going to call it Bama and if, call it good. If he doesn't get the offer today, Oklahoma will a have burned the bridge with Cole Adams. But, B, they will probably have burned the bridge with a lot of other folks in Owasso and the surrounding Tulsa area. Text line. Yeah, go ahead. No, if they they strung this kid along as long as they did, then finally got him on campus, which was uh, based on every inclination that I have and every conversation that I've had, getting him on campus was kind of the contingency for making the offer. If they go through all that, get him on campus, and then don't offer, there will be plenty more folks up there in the Tulsa football community, far beyond Cole Adams, uh, that hold this against the Sooners. It'll be it, it'll be bad, especially on this text line. Yeah. If, uh, if that were to happen. Yeah, Bill Blankenship is not a guy you want to rub the wrong way. Text line: The last person that there was this much of a public outcry and pressure on the staff to offer was Levi Draper. How did that turn out? Um, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Levi Draper. If you'll recall, the spring game in 2018. Levi Draper and Buki were the two standout performers. Levi Draper did not wash out because he wasn't a good football player. He washed out because of injuries. A fully healthy Levi Draper is probably playing in the NFL right now. Yeah, um, yeah maybe, um, but I, I just... Just because there was a public outcry for OU to offer him, does that doesn't mean why it didn't turn out. Um, and it doesn't mean that since there's been a big public outcry for Cole Adams that he won't work out either. I don't think that those two situations are linked. Oh gosh, we might have Bill Blankenship on the text line here. <laughs> we have a text from Bill in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he says, not buying your argument. Coaches always say nothing is more important than recruiting. If Cale Gundy felt strongly about Cole Adams, he would have sold him to the head coach. It is obvious Oklahoma is slow playing this guy. Is there maybe some truth to that? Sure. I don't think it's as much of a slow play as much as Oklahoma having guys that were higher priorities on their board that are now trending to other schools. Jalen Hale is a perfect example. Oklahoma was in a real good position with Jalen Hale for a long, long time, even after the change in the coaching staff. But now he started to trend towards Ohio State, towards USC, towards Alabama. Those three have kind of emerged as the lead contenders for Jalen Hale. So look, there is not a coach in America that is going to take Cole Adams over Jalen Hale. Just to pick one example. Cole Adams is a heck of a football player. Jalen Hale is a five-star. Sure. Jalen Hale is a ridiculously gifted athlete who has the potential to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And, and more of the you know body type at wide receiver of what they're wanting. Like We have to you know factor this in. You may not agree with it. I, I, I definitely do agree. I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the staff this for sure. I definitely do agree, Parker, with wanting to have a bigger, more physical football team. That normally bodes pretty well. And I think Cole Adams can play at this level. I have no doubt. I definitely think that he could. I, I just understand maybe they're thinking that they want a certain type of body at wide receiver, and if that is true, then he's not the body type that necessarily fits what they want. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's let's go through here, and let's examine some of the wideouts that Oklahoma has recruited and pursued in the class of 2023, and where things stand. And that will maybe give you an inclination as to why it's just now that Oklahoma's getting around to offering Cole Adams. First off, it has to do with the fact that uh, he hasn't visited campus up until this point. So that's the most surface-level reason. But also, Brandon Innes was committed to Oklahoma for quite a while, stayed in contact with the coaching staff, uh, the new staff at Oklahoma, even after he decommitted. Doesn't really seem like at this point Oklahoma's even going to get another visit from him, though. Shelton Sampson, the five-star wideout out of Louisiana, 6'4", 180. He dropped his top six yesterday. Oklahoma wasn't in it. Jalen Brown. There hasn't really been any movement between Oklahoma and him. The five-star wideout out of Miami. Jalen Hale just talked about him. Jonte Cook, for all that he's said about Texas and Texas A&M and <laughs> the comments he's made on social media oh, yeah. about them not having football trophies, it doesn't look like Oklahoma is solidly in the running there. Jaquazy Petaway. That one could get interesting. He'll be there for the spring game, too. I don't have a whole lot of ostensible reason to believe that Oklahoma is a lead dog in his recruitment, but this will be his second visit in as many months, and that's that's the type of circumstance of which you start to take notice. DeAndre Moore, OU's moved on from him. Jaden Greathouse, nobody knows where that kid's head is at. Nobody. The safe money's on Texas, but... We'll have to see how things progress. That's not not somebody that any Sooner fan should be getting overly confident with. But the point being is that at a certain point in time, there was reason to believe that Oklahoma could be in the mix for all of those guys. And ever since, things have continued to trend away from Oklahoma in those recruitments. So now that Oklahoma's board at wide receiver consists of Ashton Cozart, who's committed, Mikhail Harrison Pilot, whom they feel really confident about, and really who else, especially now that Kyler Casper committed to Oregon over the weekend. You're really banking on Jaquazy Petaway 
or you got to start coming up with contingency plans. And he and Cole Adams is a great contingency plan. Um, I mean, 24-7's got him as a three-star. The The composite rankings has him as a four-star. Oh, it, he does have the composite four-star? He does. I'm looking at it right now. He does Let's have the composite four-star. So maybe 24-7 will also bump him up to a four-star if he has a great senior season. I would guess that might is probably going to happen. But, yeah, hey, this is, uh, this is the big day, man. This is the big day, and if he uh, announces that that offer has dropped once he leaves campus today, uh, I assure you, we will uh, be telling you about that on Lockdown. All right, keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Brent Venables had a press conference today. What did he say? We'll tell you all about it coming up next on Lockdown. We are the ref. It's the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune on The Ref. We're inside the Brad O'Haver Studios on this Tuesday, four days away from the spring game. We'll be at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner for our pregame show, 11.30 to 1.30. And then the postgame show, live at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Former Sooner Jordan Evans is going to stop by. And uh, maybe a few other special guests Ooh. as well. Um, really trying to sink the hook there, Tyler. Well, I wish I could even say the individual that we're working on to get there. Uh, it would it would draw a huge crowd. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that this particular person shows up. It Barry be, Switzer. Uh, better. Better than Barry yeah, Switzer. I, 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 yeah, better. I'm just gonna leave it at that, okay? Because I don't want to get Keith. Better. I'm not going to get Better everyone's Toby Keith? hopes up, so just saying. Barack Obama. Mm, yeah, a little bit better than that one, too. Wow. But okay. you're, you're on the right path with the Barack Obama guess. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not at all. Uh, Britt uh. Vittable set a press conference today, and so basically what's going to happen, they're going to split up the two teams as evenly as possible. It's not going to be like the ones on the twos. They're going to split up the teams as evenly as possible. They're going to split up the coaching coaching staff as evenly as possible. And then Dylan Gabriel is going to play for both teams. So do you like the idea? Are we going to get a, a little, little all-time quarterback action? Huh? <laughs> basically. Are we going to get a more accurate feel of both the offense and the defense with split-up teams and the quarterback playing both sides? What, what do you think about the format? I like the format. I just I wonder how they're going to effectively split up the coaching staff. That's my biggest concern. Is yeah, like, uh, who's who's calling plays on the other side of the field? I would, opposite Jeff Levy. I would guess like Ted Roof is one head coach, and then your other head coach is I don't know maybe like Kale Gundy. I have no idea how they're going to do that. Weird. Uh, that's that's the only concern I have. I, I love a simulated game environment. I love the fact that they're not running first team and second team. They're really just intermingling all the guys together. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for us to glean, okay, who's actually first team and who's second team because of the way that they're going to be intermingled. But, no, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh <laughs> One listener says he's talking about Uncle. No, not as good as Uncle. Okay, Uncle's the best guest. I I, I don't want to hype it up that much. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. Uh, I've said too much. God, I've said too much already. Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> somebody says mule shoe. Yeah, there's no. He, yeah, he would not be. I, I, people would be throwing beers at him, including me, probably. Okay, uh, so on the Cole Adams thing, I want to circle back around to it for just a second All right. because uh, lots of people have been uh, chiming in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Kendall says so. Basically, Cole Adams was on their back burner. If I'm Cole, I'm going to Bama. That's ridiculous. 
Uh, and look, what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that y- you don't have to agree with how the coaching staff has approached the Cole Adams situation, but I think you do understand it, right? Because when you bring in a new coaching staff and all these coaches have previously existing relationships, when they get to their new schools, what's the first thing that they're going to do? They're going to reach out and offer all those kids that they had been recruiting previously. Now, here's what comes into play at Oklahoma. We have heard Brent Venables say from the get-go that every offer is a committable offer. They're not going to recruit players unless they actually want them to be part of the program. So you can't have 20 outstanding offers to wide receivers, Tyler. Yeah, You have to play the numbers a little bit at a time. That's why, for instance, you've seen Joe John Finley and the tight end room. You've seen the way that, seen the way that that's, that's progressed in the 2023 cycle. First, they were kind of looking at Riley Williams from Oregon and Marcus Dixon from Philadelphia. And then when that didn't pan out, they handed out a bunch of new offers. Olsen Pat Henry from Florida just got an offer this past week. Uh, so did, uh, who else did they offer? Lafayette Kiaway out of the state of Texas. Uh, they're going to have another tight end in Jackson McGowan on campus this Saturday, and the expectation is that he's going to get an offer too. So you almost have to, how, how do I put this? There's levels to all of this is what I'm trying to say because you can't have 20 wide receivers at the same time with outstanding offers from Oklahoma. You, you, you can't. can't, but you also have to accept that it's not every day that Alabama comes in and offers a kid in state in the state of Oklahoma. And if you lose that kid to Alabama, whether you were first in on him or you first offered him, I mean, people are still mad about the whole Josh Jacobs situation. Oh, yeah, and understandably right? so. Um, and OU actually, I guess, technically offered first on that deal, whether you offer first or last or whatever. If Bama offers a kid in this state and you don't get him, there's going to be – there's. People are going to be PO'd about that. No doubt. But you also have to have some trust in your coaching staff, too, and the way they go about things. And you know what? If Cole Adams wasn't good enough in their eyes to play football at the University of Oklahoma, I can promise you he wouldn't be on campus today. And moreover, when there's a kid within the state of Oklahoma whom the coaches believe isn't good enough to play football at the University of Oklahoma, you got to be willing to trust their evaluation because you get a Josh Jacobs every now and again. Sure. But for every Josh Jacobs, there's a David Cornwell, Tyler. Yeah, the David Cornwell. Uh, he never started a game at Alabama. Where, where did he end up in his career? Nevada? Is, well, that, is that where so he ended he, up? He went to Nevada, threw like five interceptions in three games there, got benched, quit the team the following week, and then transferred to play his final season of college football at, wait for it, East Central University in Ada. No, nice. Yeah. Go Tigers. So it all came full circle for him. Uh, Venables talked about fans, uh, you know, going to support other programs today, and then he kind of goes back to the spring game. We have an opportunity to create the most hostile environment in college football. That's what we want. So, not surprising, but he continues to push and push and push. He says they're expecting a great crowd, but he wants it to be hostile when uh, when we get there as well on Saturday. I, I I think it'll be a I think it'll be a nice crowd, Parker. I don't. I mean. With the upper decks open, you're not going to have 80,000 people there. But with the you know lower bowl being open, there will be a lot of people there. Let's see how hostile it is or how loud and engaging it's going to be at 3 o'clock on, on Saturday. 
It's gonna because be- it, it's hard to be like loud, engaged, and really into it for yeah. a for a spring game. You know? Yeah. Well, it's not. It, it's going to be a different vibe than an actual regular season game because there's not going to be animosity. There's not going to be hostility. Right? No one's no one's rooting against somebody on the field. Right? Everybody's like, well, whatever happens on this play, everybody's a winner. Right? So. No, it'll be different, but I think there will be a palpable enthusiasm in that building. Uh, how about this? Do you want to give away a couple of tickets to the spring game? Ooh. Does that sound good to you? Can Let's... I have them? Uh, well, no. Okay, uh, well, we'll we'll just, give... I figured it was worth a shot. <laughs> we'll give two to somebody else. Uh, I want you to uh, think in your head, the, out of the everyone on the entire team, okay. the single person on the squad you're most excited to see on Saturday um, everyone on the text line can guess where you're at. Who's the one player above anyone else that you want to see on Saturday? First player to guess who's Parker's thinking. I'm going to send you uh, two spring game tickets. Free, of course. Ooh, see, there's. I feel like there's an answer that everybody thinks is going to be the obvious answer, but they're going to be wrong. Ethan Downs is already on the text Ethan line. Ethan Downs is already on the text line. It's not Ethan Downs. Hmm. Well, well, we will uh, let the uh, guesses continue to flow in here. Is it, uh, is it an offensive player? You can give us a little bit of a hint. Okay, yes, it's an offensive player. It is an offensive player. It's not a true. Ooh, there's a guess for Jaron Canick, mm-hmm. which is a good guess. Dylan Gabriel is also a good guess. Jaden Rowe isn't even. Is, there it is, Javante Barnes. That's it's, the winner, isn't it? It's not Javante Barnes, but the next one is oh, Theo Weiss. Wow. All right. That's who I'm most excited to see. 6668. Congratulations. You are going to the text line, or you're going to the text line. You're going to the spring game for free. Two tickets. Wow. Why, I, why, I, why, I, Theo, why Theo Weiss? Okay, so I, I, I tell you what, this person must have watched the uh, YouTube video I put out the other day on the OU Insider at 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Uh, because, look, I am really excited to see Javante Barnes. I don't, want, I don't want anybody to get their wires crossed about that. But the reason I am most excited to see Theo Weiss personally is because I want to see what Theo Weiss's 100% post-injury looks like as compared to his 100% pre-injury. People forget just how big Theo Weiss was for this football team in 2020. Okay, let me ask this, though. Yeah. If he looks great, is that really going to really determine one way or the other how good this offense is? Like, for me, it's Javante Barnes. I'm sorry, I'm going for the low-hanging fruit, (laughs) bright, shiny object at running back who's really fast and really athletic. Hey, I, I I know that that's weak, but I'm I, I want to see Javante. Like I think no, Javante every, Barnes, wants to see dude, Javante can like yeah. really change the offense this year. If Theo Weese is back to being 100 percent, looking like the dude that he was before, is that going to dramatically change the offense this year? Like that's yes, that's what I I'm asking. I think it is. Okay, because you've got a surefire number one receiver in Marvin Mims, but historically speaking. OU's offenses have been at their best when you have two productive wide receivers, or three, ideally. So, I mean, you think about the standout years that C.D. Lamb had, right? There was Marquise Brown to kind of balance out C.D. Lamb. And then, uh, gosh, now I'm totally spacing. Who was it in 2019? It was Charleston Rambo. Charleston Rambo had the big year in 2019 opposite C.D. Lamb. So... I, I think Marvin Mims is going to be the most pr- productive wide receiver in this Oklahoma offense, but I think Theo Weiss is going to be one of those key cogs where if he really has a standout year, it's just going to make Oklahoma that much more formidable on offense. And look, here's what I'll say on Javante Barnes. Every year, there is a player whom everyone will overreact to. Well, that's going to be mine. But, but 
there will also be a player that people think there's an overreaction on, but it's not actually an overreaction at all. Like, for instance, last spring game, Caleb Williams, the reaction that everybody had to him was not an overreaction. The reaction that everybody had to Jordan Mukes, that was more of an overreaction. This year, Javante Barnes is going to more resemble the Caleb Williams situation than the Jordan Mukes situation. People will be impressed with him, but they won't be overreacting. So I should say the next Billy Sims when we roll on the postgame show oh, on well, I don't Saturday know about night? All that, but. You don't think I should? Do you think that would be a bad take? Mm. Just think about it a little bit. Yeah, think, no. think about it and get no. back to me before no. we throw no, out nobody, the Billy Sims. Nobody is Billy Sims. I'm kidding, now, text look. line, before you guys lose your mind. All right? I'm the, obviously kidding on that one. The next Rodney Anderson or the next Joe Mixon even, I can get down with that. Hey, I'll take the next 20. If there's a 2017 Rodney Anderson out there, um, and if anyone would like to chat sometime on how Rodney Anderson at the – uh, second half of the 2017 season was the best running back in college football. I would like to have that chat with you. Um, so if there is a guy out there that resembles that dude, um, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for uh, the second half of the 2017 season, Rodney Anderson. I can get down with it. But yeah, I, I'm Javante Barnes. You're Theo Wees. I guess my the offensive line as a whole, though, like if we're looking for, for an entire position group, and it's going to be tough with them, Parker, because they are going to be split up. You know, you're not going to see if there's been, you know, any sort of continuity between that group with a with a certain rotation. Um, so it's going to be really hard to judge the offensive line based on Saturday. But I am interested to see if they can hold their own, especially in, you know, obvious passing situations and in the run game. I'm excited to see if this offensive line looks more athletic, if they look stronger than they were a year ago. Single position unit. That's that's where I'm watching, man. How good is the offensive line? Because to me, how good the offensive line is is going to greatly impact how good this offense is going to be in 2022. And I'll say this. It will be interesting to see how they adjust to Dylan Gabriel being a left-handed quarterback because the traditional blind side is no longer the blind side when you're dealing with a left-handed QB. So I, I, I'm not convinced that's the type of thing that matters a whole lot, but uh, it's, you know, it's something that takes some getting used to. I love this text. He can't be the next Billy Sims unless he screams "Boomer" at the most inopportune times. <laughs> LMAO. Yeah, that's 100%. All right, we're taking a timeout, talking more Cruton, talking more football on the other side. Your text as well, 405-651-3439. More to come next on Locked In. Lots going on on the uh, Air Covered Solutions text line. Go figure. It's a uh, Tuesday. 405-651-3439. Someone in the 918 says, how come you guys aren't excited to watch Michael Turk? I actually, I am. Uh, wind gust that could be over 40 miles per hour at times on Saturday. I am very interested to see uh, Michael Turk put one up in the sky and let that 40-mile-per-hour wind gust yeah, get with, to work. With as much hang time as he gets, that could either end up being a punt for negative yardage or a punt that sails out of the stadium. Okay, this question's not fair. Who do you take, Cole Adams or Dylan Edwards? Same type of player. And sorry, film way better for Dylan. That is kind of an unfair it's like question. Making us pick between, you know, two of her kids or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Dylan Edwards. You are with me on yeah, that one? Yeah, I am. It's not easy though to say that. It's definitely not easy. Can't believe someone put us in a position where we had to say that out loud. It's unbelievable, man. Hey, uh, by the way, four star offensive lineman 
Bryson Sanders, six foot five, two eighty, out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. One crystal ball in for Ole Miss. Uh, he is going to announce on June twenty third of this year. Any any chance it's OU or is Ole Miss the school here? Yeah, no, no, no. Ole Miss. I I, I actually I think the school is not Ole Miss. I look at his top four and just based on the conversations I've had with him, I think his school of choice is going to be any of those schools but Ole Miss. I think it's going to be Tennessee, LSU, or Oklahoma. Now, OU's in this thing, and much like the recruitment of Miles McVay, the four-star offensive tackle out of St. Louis, this was not one that Oklahoma was in until they got him on campus. Bryson Sanders was really, really impressed with the environment at Oklahoma, his interactions with the coaching staff, and I think they there is a chance – I am not going to say that Oklahoma is in the lead for Bryson Sanders because I don't think that's true. He's visited Tennessee many, many times. It's kind of one of those situations where it feels similar to Caden Green in Oklahoma where he's like, okay, well, you've been there so many times, it's going to be really difficult for you not to end up there. So I think the smart money is on Bryson Sanders to Tennessee, but I don't think it's a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. OU's definitely in this thing, and – We'll see what kind of headway they can make. Yeah, when it's they not like he's announcing in visit. ten days or two weeks or anything like that. Long, long way to go till the towards till the end of June. Yeah, so you got time there. Uh, one other thing via the transfer portal: former five-star tight end Baylor Cup, who was originally at Texas A&M. I guess there's a crystal ball out to where he's going to transfer to Texas Tech. So told you yesterday that Tech currently has the number one recruiting class for 2023. Baylor Cup, former five-star tight ends. I, it's just one crystal ball. That's not exactly the indication that he's going to go to Lubbock. But interesting. I we're at least peeking and saying, okay, Matt Wells, we're, we notice what you're doing out here. We we, we kind of see what Joey you're McGuire. doing. Joey McGuire, or yeah, yeah, Matt Wells. Matt Wells is here. Matt Joey Wells, McGuire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what he's doing at Tech. Is Matt Wells Brent Venables' receptionist, something like that? Have we figured uh, out his exact He's role? like high school relations, right? Isn't that what he's doing? But you're yeah, saying but the high school relations no, is basically the, the secretary? No, that's what I was told is that he was going to have a role in high school relations, but then he's also been on field for practices, so I'm guessing he's also serving in some kind of analyst capacity. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, no, Joey, Mag- Joey McGuire and his staff out there in Lubbock are doing an outstanding job. Uh, by the way, Texas picked up a crystal ball for a Jai Hall. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, the uh, wide receiver transfer from Alabama. Um, That's Uh, fine. Hey, you want to go that route? That's cool. I mean, that's a guy that was in hot water at Alabama, and that's the reason it sounds like he's not there anymore. What what Texas is now employing is what we're going to begin referring to as the zero-culture approach. (laughs) Yeah, well, they've always always applied to to that approach, the zero-culture Now they're all in on it, though. They are all in. They are all in. And, hey, after a 5-7 and season, (laughs) What? Who needs culture, man? Forget culture. Culture's not important. Five and seven, Parker. We'll just add a quarterback who didn't play like but two snaps last year at Ohio State, and all of a sudden we're just going to turn it around because one quarterback, a former five star from Ohio State, is coming into town. Yeah, apparently he's not even a slam dunk to win the starting job this fall. Well, okay. I I've said this to Teddy a couple times. This is the Caleb Williams Miller Moss situation to me at USC. I have no doubt that between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, it looks close in practice. I'm sure that that is accurate. I'm sure those two guys are having their days. It looks like a really close battle right now. But with everything they did to get Quinn Ewers on campus, I'm sorry. There's no, there's no competition. There's no argument here. He may not end the season 
as the quarterback. He may not even be the quarterback for Texas in Dallas when they play OU, but he's starting the season. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. We were having the same conversation last year between Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. I told everybody, even if he doesn't start the year as the starter, I think Casey Thompson is going to be playing for Texas by midseason. And lo and behold, he was. Look, the reason Hudson Card started last season, like, you got you to gotta consider this. Sure, they did a lot to get Quinn Ewers on campus, but Hudson Card comes from a very prominent Longhorn family. Very prominent. And so, and that's part of the reason that I thought initially, yeah, he'll probably win the starting job to open the season, but he won't stay as a starter because I knew Casey Thompson was better, but I also knew there were some ulterior motives there sure. with Hudson Card. So, which ulterior motives prevail? I think uh, Quinn Ewers starts the season as the starter, and Hudson Card will be the starter at, at, at some point. Who mm-hmm. finishes it? Uh, it? There's no telling who finishes the year for Texas at quarterback. I think exactly the opposite. I think Card will start the year, and Ewers will take over before long. Hmm. I don't know. With as much money as they paid him down there, <laughs> I, I think that the, they're on the hook for that. They at least got to see uh, what, what this kid looks like as a starter. By the way, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. Did you see what Cowherd tweeted out 45 minutes ago? Oh, yeah, I saw that. And before. I hate giving that dude like any attention at all. Uh, but for those of you that want to get worked up, and I do want you to get worked up on the Air Conference Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Cowherd says, feel bad for at OU football. USC going to need about 18 months, and they'll be flying past them, around them, over them. This recruiting class will be otherworldly. Best offensive head coach in college with these weapons. Can't quit smiling. Again, keep the receipts, people. Keep the receipts. That's all I'm going to say. It is, it is not worth continuing to engage Cowherd in this discourse. But keep the receipts. Yeah. Because they'll be useful. Yeah, uh, he had the Sam Darnold take, which didn't, uh, <laughs> which did not age very well. Uh, there's some people at USC that don't think that USC is going to be very good next year. So um, if you really care about that, I'd be more inclined to believe that than what Cowherd is saying right now on social media. So, and it's not like I, I mean they have a nice recruiting class, Parker, but it's not like they're sitting as the number one overall recruiting class right now. Uh, where do they currently sit in the 2023 class? 16. They do have three five-stars, uh, just one four-star on the board, just four total commits. They'll have a top 15 class. Maybe top 10. Maybe. But, like, as as we were talking about with Texas, five-star talent doesn't fix the deeper-seated issues within your program. And there's a lot of issues at USC. It's not just lack of talent that is going to plague this program going forward. They are going to be fighting an uphill battle in a number of different capacities, Tyler. As far as fan engagement, like you got to make people care about college football in Los Angeles. You don't got to make people care about college football in Oklahoma, but you got to make them care in Los Angeles. Moreover, as far as the financial state of that institution as a whole, uh, I know it's not the greatest right now, and with all the money that they paid Muleshoe, it may be a little bit more difficult to fill out a healthy, holistic, interactive coaching staff. Moreover, it's it's a new install on both sides of the ball. There's so much that has to change. Look, 
They are starting from scratch as much so as Oklahoma is. But the reality is Oklahoma has far more resources to supplement a complete rebuild from the ground up than USC does. Yeah. Uh, Calhart's doing this for OU fans to, you know, respond to him oh, and no, get all fired for, up yeah, and all he's that. Doing it for interaction. Um, I don't know if he realizes this or not, but this actually I think has a negative effect for the program that he's trying to prop up. Because what it does when he continually tweets out about USC is it puts, you know, unrealistic expectations on the program in year one. And I can promise you, maybe at some point he wins a Pac-12 championship, but it's not going to be this year. Still a team that was 4-8. and eight. It's going to put unrealistic pressure on Muleshoe in year one, and if they don't live up to that unrealistic pressure, if they go 6-6, six and six, then guys like Cowherd are going to move off USC football real quick, buddy. It's hot right now. There's some attention on it right now, Parker. But you better live up to those expectations in year one, which are pretty lofty. I, I, might I know we've discussed it being a mediocre season upcoming for USC football. What if it's just like an absolute motorcycle accident? What if it's like Texas last year? That, I, I think that there's definitely a scenario where both Texas and USC have those types of seasons, especially Texas, man. You get curb stomped by Alabama. Uh, you lose another conference game before you play OU, which is very possible. And then you lose to OU. Well, it's mid-October, and you're 3-3, three and three and you already have three losses. The season is pretty much over at that point. And after coming off a 5-7 and seven season, there could be a real quit factor. When we've seen Texas teams throw in the towel and there be a real quit factor, it's been after that Oklahoma game after they have a few losses. So I am not counting out at all that it's another dumpster fire in Austin. Trust me, I'm not at all. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Elite Roofing System, they're serving all of Oklahoma's roofing needs, locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and in Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Call Elite Roofing Systems today, 405-361-3094, that's an OKC. Tulsa, 918-984-5475, Elite Roofing Before we get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, huge recruiting weekend for OU. Uh, What's uh, what's the over-under that we need to put on commits? Just 0.5? Yeah, 0.5. Keep the expectations tempered just based on prior experience this spring. I'd probably take the over if that's what it was, though. Um, I will take the over on that, but I've kind of... Not that I'm jaded by uh, missing on a couple overs already, Parker, this uh, spring, but I, I do think that they'll get one commit this weekend. I think it'll just be one, but I'll, I'll say that they get one. Uh, no, uh, Cole Adams has not tweeted out just yet that he's gotten an offer, so Come we'll uh, on. stay tuned on Come that on. one. <laughs> uh, the news can break on the brush. It'll be great. Yeah, hopefully so. Is Cal Turd like 12 years old? That's on the text line. <laughs> I think he is, yes, to answer your question. Uh, somebody said he won't be there in 18 months. Talking about Muleshoe, uh, he'll be there in 18 months. Three years from now, let's start to have that conversation. I'd love to throw a shoe at Cowherd with my foot still in it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, former L.A. resident here. L.A. is a finicky town. The masses move to the next flashy thing quick. USC might have a good draw when they get something rolling, but it won't last. 
The only thing in sports that is consistent there are the Lakers and Dodgers. Uh, most L.A. Uh, residents are not true fans of the teams. They are fans of flashy new things and photo ops. Consistent college football fandom culture, there is not a thing and may never be. Yeah, I think that we have kind of all noticed that by now. Um, and with unrealistic expectations, I'm sure it's going to help fan turnout this year, Parker, but forget after year one. If you don't have a great September, I don't think the fans there will be there when the when the month of October rolls around. If you lose to Fresno State or Stanford early on in September, I think those fans will be really quick to uh, to bail on it. Again, that is going to be perhaps the predominant challenge that Muleshoe faces at USC is getting people to care long term. Because I'll use I'll use an analogy that some people won't like. But think about OU basketball this Uh-oh. past year with Porter Moser. Man, Moser's. wow, he went there. I mean, like that. I, he, they were packing it out at the Lloyd Noble Center while that team had some juice early in the season and was winning. But once they got into conference play and the sledding started to get tough, what happened? Fans disappeared. Uh, what Parker is saying is build the new arena somewhere. That's that's what he's saying. That's that's all it is. Give Porter what he wants. Give Jenny what she wants. Give them what they want. They want a new arena, I can tell you that. Part, uh, Porter's been on record for saying that he wants that new arena. Four days away into the spring game, uh, we'll have more spring coverage for you on Locked In as the week rolls on. We got Bob Stoops coming up next hour at 3.20. Bob's got a new job since the last time we talked to him. I know, how about that? So, Did yeah. he give you any indication last week that that was on the horizon? Uh, I may have known on Monday that was going to happen, oh. and we thought about asking that, and we chose not to. But, uh, yeah. Do your journalistic duty, Tyler. I I, I should have. I should have. All right, The Rush coming up next. Bob Stoops at 320. Keep it locked on The Ref.